welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, baby. Guess who it is? My <laughs> pal, Odell. I'm trying to switch it up What's a little bit. I've read this enter like 6,000 times. <laughs> What's going on, man? Nothing, man. I think we were talking last episode how it went from summer to winter in a blink of an eye. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We were, uh, you know, the warm side of fall uh, a couple weeks ago. Now it's uh, January. <laughs> yeah, you know, the weather, I get seasonal depression real bad, and and Dee can tell you, we've got our lovely producer lurking in the shadows, as always, Dee. Dee can tell you, I get seasonal um, um, depression, and I get like fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining, especially since I work from home. There's yeah. been times I've spent six weeks in this house on the mountain without leaving, True. and I am picking fucking flowers off the wallpaper, I'm going so mm -hmm. stir crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I'm getting Trump fatigue. I didn't even watch the impeachment hearings today. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It's just oh, dude, it's... so much. All, and I told somebody the other day, I said, look, dude, I don't care what side of it. Well, I mean, I do care if you're a Trump dude. I probably won't spend a lot of time talking to you. But I don't care what side of the political offense you are, how much of a Trump rah-rah-rah guy you are. At some point, you have to get fucking tired of hearing this guy talk, right? I never knew well, this much about any president ever. You didn't see Obama on the news and Twitter every day spewing his opinions all over the place. I've never heard nah. seen a pres any public, you know, po political figure out there this much all day every day. You can't turn the fucking channel without. I can't watch a news segment that doesn't say the word Trump. It's impossible. Like they, I can't make it through one hour of news without hearing Trump. Well, that's Chris. the thing. That's the. That's the. Uh... You know, that's what he wants, <laughs> good or bad. But, no, it's it's crazy. Like, I was talking to uh, to my, uh, to Susan the other day, and I was like, every day it's something. It's something. It's it's like it, it's tied back to him every day since the – before he was elected, it's always something, and it's never positive. And, and it's like it's, just, it's, it's so depressing. Like, that's how the news starts off every day. It's with him or with somebody he's affiliated with or something, and they're being tried. or. And then you don't the just get him. Then you get his little cult with their millions of stupid conspiracy theories. And they're, I'm going to drink some liberal tears and all this bullshit. I mean, I posted something about Eminem on our page. Um, Secret Service came to visit him. And, I'll, and, you know, yeah. I don't put any politics on our music page, but I was like, hey, I thought it was done when Secret Service went to visit Ted Nugent. I think it's equally as stupid they're visiting Eminem, which they visited him during Bush as well for a rap that yeah. he did. And I was like, yeah. these people are fucking global rock stars. They're not going to go shoot the fucking president. He's, Eminem is not a threat to the president. And some guy got on there. is like, ah, you shouldn't alienate half your audience. Uh, you're, you just lost a fan. And I was like, dude, if you were never a fan, if you were a fan, you would already know my position on this. And then he just like, exactly. went on and on. He went on like a bunch of different threads. To, I'm not threads, but he kept going on that same thread about how I just lost a fan and he's never going to come on, to, like listen to the show or come on our page again. Yeah. He's, yeah. And he's like, that's it. You just lost half your fan base. And like, I think we lost like three people on our page that day. And I was like, oh, I think we'll survive. <laughs> I think three out of 17,000 will be okay. Not that I yeah, want to like. We're, we're good to go. 
like alienate anybody, but shit, man, you can't like it's like you say one thing that even ventures into criticizing Trump and like his supporters go insane, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's the and 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 that's the thing. It's like a, it's a, an immediate anger and a, like you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. This is all lies. It's like when. When isn't when is when wh- where's the fire? Because you know it's been it's the smoke is pretty heavy now, so you know the fire is like right on you. <laughs> but they're like no, I mean, no, there's no fire. These followers, accused Q guys, they believe in this global conspiracy and like just all this insane shit. And I, I had listed all this crazy stuff they believe in, but the craziest thing is they believe millions of people on this planet are all in on a conspiracy together. There's millions of us keeping the secret. We're all in this big skull and crossbone conspiracy. Like, you can't get three fucking people to keep a secret. There's millions of scientists and politicians and the media, like, they're all keeping this grand secret of this coming new world order. Like, uh, okay, Mm -hmm. I got to stop. This is our last show for a while. (laughs) We'll be on break for about a month. So didn't mean to go on a rant there. It's just... Like I said, man, I remember the old days when I was involved in politics. And you remember when we did this show, I had to use gotcha. an alternate profile for me and you to talk in the chat box. Because if I was on my regular page, it would just be blowing up with like hate mail the whole time from something oh, I posted. Yeah. Like some political. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't be – it was too distracting. Could it be like, oh, you stupid libtard, you snowflake, uh, the whole time while I'm on air with a guest. So I had to actually create another <laughs> profile and have a chat box between us there. Because I couldn't even be on my own page while I was on air because there were so many people blowing my shit up. So I'm glad I'm not involved <laughs> in those days. I'm glad I've left that world. I don't do a political podcast anymore. That's it. That, that is it. Insane. All right. Um, D, are we ready to rock and roll? Tell everybody where they can find us and we'll get Dylan in here. Well, if somehow you've missed it already, then you can check us out on musicalosmosis.com for podcast episodes, as well as uh, reviews of new albums and videos, uh, important dates not to be missed, and also uh, videos, and it's just tons of fun. Um, And you can find us also on pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Fair enough. All righty. Our is. guest tonight has played with the Dickies, 45 Greg, King Cotton, and Max Collins, just to name a few. I don't know a whole, whole lot about him, but I am looking forward to getting to know him. Let's get Dylan Nobody Thomas knows. in here. Dylan, what's up? Nobody knows a whole lot about me. <laughs> well, that's good. You're like one You're of those enigma. little gems out there, man. Like Ben's. Yes. Like a musician's musician type of deal. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been it's a while. Uh, I, I there was a period of time when I was gonna not play music, and uh, and I'm I'm glad uh, that I changed my mind. So, there you go. And you just had a birthday, right? I have a birthday coming up on Saturday. Uh, All right, right. Come on, happy yeah, birthday! Well, man. Happy birthday! Friday, but. I'm having a little uh, a shindig uh, on Saturday at uh, Viva Cantina in Burbank. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I'm turning 50, which is kind of wild. There you go. <laughs> you know, We're right um, behind you, man. Yeah, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I probably would have uh, taken better care of myself. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I used to tell people I had my midlife crises at 25 because I never thought I'd live to see 50. There you go, yeah. 
So the fact that I'm here now is, but then again, I mean, I kind of make that joke, but then again, I was always kind of an uptight kid that kind of knew I wasn't going to cross too many lines, but you had sent me a bio about yourself because admittedly, I didn't know a whole, whole lot about your background. And I got to tell you, man, you have been through some shit and you've had some pretty hardcore adventures. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, it kind of impeded me and that's why I'm, um, that's why I'm doing stuff. Uh, you know, I started, I really started my music, uh, put in air quotes career, uh, probably in my mid thirties or probably like 33, you know, um, cause, uh, in my twenties, it was just uh, you know, it was just all this drug-fueled um, kind of. Uh, I, I don't want to say nightmare. I had a lot of fun, but it was, it, it derailed me uh, from the mission at hand, which was to not have a day job, and I still have not succeeded at that that uh, mission. So. Well, let's um, let people get to know you. Um, tell everybody yeah. a little bit about your background. Give us the Dylan Thomas origin story. No radioactive spiders, right? Uh, well, my family, uh, my mom and my dad, they both grew up in Texas, and they were uh, they were hippies. So they left Texas for New York, where I was born. My, uh, I'm convinced that my mom married uh, my dad uh, just so she could name me Dylan Thomas because uh, she was a big <laughs> Dylan Thomas fan. And so, because they hated each other and um, uh, and they shortly divorced. And then, um, so I was born in New York and came out to California when I was four. I was 19, probably 1974. So I've, I've been, you know, a, a Valley kid since 74 you know so not technically native but uh i consider myself native right it's on your and, dna yeah exactly. yeah yeah and then you know in the 70s probably like 76 77 my mom started dating delaney bramlett of uh delaney and bonnie fame and and so i uh was around music constantly and and musicians and um we were you know the kids uh delaney had three daughters and so we were just kind of in the background while the while this wild scene was going on you know i started playing guitar in earnest uh it was just like uh you know my mom was raising her by myself and it was wanted me out of the house i think uh, <laughs> uh i was kind of a weird kid i, I think you know um but i was like bobby hill you know from king of the hill yes a daydreamer you know except i like to you know like uh, play with nunchucks and chinese throwing stars and throw them at the wall and shit and, and my mom just went i also and, thought i was a ninja see? when i was 13 dylan yeah. See, Dylan, those were the good old days when you could order those things from like the back of comic books and and oh. and, and get them in the mail. <laughs> oh, we Nowadays, had a store you know. in town that would sell us anything. You wouldn't think was... they would sell us that shit. We were 13, 14 years old buying throwing stars and nunchucks and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. You know, my mom flipped. She thought I was a little psycho, and I probably was to a degree. You know, I played little league. I played flag football, and I did karate. 
And so all these kind of things that normal kids do. And then, you know, one year I was tired of karate. And so I started taking guitar lessons. I had never really thought about playing music. Um, it just wasn't. Interesting. You know, I, uh, Delaney gave me a guitar when I was like 10. And, uh, you know, uh, and I learned like three chords and they hurt my fingers. So I, I stopped. And then, um, but probably around 12, um, I got really into it, and I was really into uh, uh, heavy metal and, you know, Iron Maiden. I discovered Iron Maiden and Scorpions and Rat and, you know, Van, of course, Van Halen. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, prior to that, I was into New Wave and and whatnot. And, um, God, you know, my, my real, my dad, uh, who also, he, my dad hated my mom, but he loved me. So he came out to California too. He had sort of this parallel journey. My dad was a real music lover. And so he had, uh, you know, he had the Nevermind the Bullocks album and a bunch of punk stuff. And so I just, you know, unlike most kids who discovered the Sex Pistols, I discovered the Sex Pistols uh, through my dad, and um, so um, the so real that's crazy. Was, let's let's stop yeah. real quick here because I want to know more about your dad. Was your dad kind uh, of like a rough and tumble punk rock guy, or was he somebody that no, was very straight laced and punk was just kind of his guilty pleasure outlet? He, I think he liked it. I think he was just he liked music. My dad was a hippie. Both my parents, the reason they went to New York was because they were both actors. And so they were, uh, oh, my okay. dad was a, a Shakespeare nut. And uh, he had a master's degree in, in English uh, drama, I believe. And, um, you know, but he was real. He was a real complicated guy. He went probably about 30 years, 35 years without a phone. You know, he was real kind of anti-social. He went to Samuel Huntsman in Hollywood. And and he worked there, you know, all his, all my adult life, uh, he worked there. And, and so he was just, uh, you know, he lived in Hollywood. He lived off of Franklin um, over by the uh, convent uh, at the end of the street. And that's where I learned how to ride a bike. And uh, um, so I think, you know, we had a pretty predictable relationship. I'd see him on the weekends and we'd go to Venice Beach or we'd go to a movie. But I think during the week, you know, he was going to places like The Mask and going to these places. And he was the old guy at that point because he would have been in his 30s. Um, oh, my, 30s. Mm, yeah, back yeah, then, 30s was like an elderly. <laughs> like you were Aunt B from fucking Andy. Yeah, Bell. you were. If you were 30 yeah. back in the 70s or 80s. Good yeah. Time. And so... uh so he had, he liked, uh, I think he liked the attitude of punk rock, you know, um, you know, and of course he had, he had a, he had, my, my dad had a much better record collection than my mom. My mom had Judy Collins and Carol Kings and there's nothing wrong with that. But as a, as a young boy, you know, right. uh, discovering the world, it didn't really, um, speak to me, but like the. You know, the uh, uh, Hendrix, Are You Experienced album, uh, Never Mind the Bullets, uh, Elvis Costello. My dad had a really killer record. Club. My dad had like nine Smother Brothers albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally different uh, fathering experiences we had. <laughs> so, 
you know, uh, I was, and then of course being around Delaney Bramlett, you know, the, that whole family, uh, which I was not blood related to, uh, they grew up singing around the table. So there's like this natural, and they were all uh, gospel, heavily gospel uh, influence. And, you know, uh, Delaney grew up in Mississippi on uh, with a dirt floor. He was literally picking cotton when he was a kid. So, you know, he learned, he learned music uh, on, on a porch in, in Mississippi. And, and so, it was the real deal, and uh, so I, I I was exposed to things like that, and uh, he had he had friends like Levon Helm and you know George Harrison and and all these people, mm. and uh, um, and uh, so I was I was exposed to that. So I was uh, I guess I got bit by the bug pretty early, you know. Um, I I decided all my all my mom's friends were all either married to musicians so all, just about all the male figures in my life were uh musicians of some kind and or, or actors you know did that and, set an um, expectation for you do you feel like no uh but i think it, it planted uh nobody pushed me to it uh, nobody discouraged me to it uh mm. you know they they were all you know i think it was kind of a a novelty at first like isn't that cute you know he you know uh uh, when I when I finally said I wanted to be a musician in early teens, um, they would have been much happier if I just decided to be a, a, an accountant or something. But wow, that's you know, amazing! Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, I I saw who was cool and who was not, you know, and and uh, all my uh, just about every male uh adult uh in my sphere was you know some kind of cool motherfucker you know and uh, <laughs> all he was super talented i guess if i'd you know been raised around cops i probably would have wanted to be a cop but you know these were all uh uh rock and rollers and um and that's what i wanted to do and i i you know over the years i'd, I'd see you know my mom's friends and and they they made a living playing in bars and and they paid their mortgage uh playing in bars which is something you can't really do anymore you know no um, no and so you know have i made the wisest choices in, in in terms of uh career no but i've 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 managed to i've managed to live relatively comfortably in spite of that, you know, and, and uh, plus you've got a really good head on your shoulders. We've talked online. And I mean, I think me and you are on the same page with a lot of stuff, but I mean, you're doing, you're doing music at a level you want to do it at. So I think that's a great thing. And that's something, I mean, I try to look back at what I'm doing, you know, you know, it'd be nice not to have to punch a clock. You know, I, I, I work for a great company. I work for a, uh, uh, you know, a royalty fund, you know, and we, we distribute mm-hmm. money to musicians. So it's sort of, but it's, it's, a, it's a job and I have bosses and I have to clock in at a, you know, there's, it, it'd be nice just to like, you know, wake up at noon and do a couple of sessions and, you know, go, go see my friend's band, you know, my friend's bands play at night and, 
you know, hang out and, and do all that. But um, well, we're so lucky just time. to even have a foot in this world. That's the way I try to look at it. Like just to be yeah. able to have a yeah. foot because I work a day oh, job yeah. too. I've got a family, you know, I've got bills to pay. Things are hectic, but I also get to do cool shit and talk to some really cool people. So I try to remember most people, me and Odell's age. I mean, we're both pushing 50. They like the biggest thing they do is go to the beach once a year. You know, with exactly family. right, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm also, you know, considering the, the odds that I really didn't get started until my 30s, you know, I mean, I was in bands in my 20s, but they were, you know, we were cover bands and we would, mm-hmm. we would play like a, uh, a bar at USC, you know, and, and, and we, you know, I'd have to learn Blink-182 songs and, um, you know, this is in the 90s, you know, and so like, gotcha, yeah. Um, and so I didn't really, you know, have any, I didn't have any success until I was, you know, uh, eventually, uh, you know, kind of got sober and, 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 and really kind of got disciplined about my, uh, my craft to use a pretentious word. But, you know, it, I, that's kind of how I look at it. It's like, this. It's, it's, it's important to me. It's not a, it's not a, um, a gimmick, you know, it's, it, it, it's a serious thing to me, you know, so, and if I die uh, and never do anything more, you know, whatever, uh, I didn't want to, uh, you know, I, uh, for a while, you know, after I got sober this time, uh, I landed a, a pretty good job at, uh, in post-production and I was going to sell all my guitars and sell all my amps and just really get into editing you know, I, I got a job at MTV, and um, you know, I was just, yeah, you know, I don't need to play music. It's, uh, I had my, I had my chance, and I blew it, and blah 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 blah. And then, you know, I got a call from uh, uh, Stan Lee from the Dickies uh, yeah. around that time, and and asked me, you know, because I played, I'd done a sub gig with them in the in the '90s, and um, their guitar player, uh, Little Dave. Teague uh, quit in 2005, I, I believe, and uh, so Stan Lee uh, called me up and asked me if I could do a European tour, and I was like, well, shit, maybe, uh, maybe I, uh, <laughs> maybe I was too impulsive and quitting. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, that's a that's a tough thing to do. I mean, at that age too, though. I mean, that's one of those things. I know being in a band, uh, I was, I was in a band pretty almost full time. Like my job was, you know, my job, but I, I wasn't married yet. I didn't have kids. So the band thing, and I did that all the way till my early thirties. And it's such, and, it, and like you said, it's one of those things that you have to, you really have to sit down. It's not like when you're in your twenties or in your teens and you're like, you know, I can do this, you know, but when you're in your thirties and stuff, you're like, do I really want to go out and, 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 and do this? It, it, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. So how, how was that? How was that emotionally for you? Well, most, you know, it was kind of hard because you know most of my time uh, playing music was uh, either in my bedroom or in a in a friend's garage, and um, there's some things that you can't learn um, when you're playing in the in these controlled environments, you know. And there's something mm-hmm. you said about learning how to perform live in front of people and you can only get that by doing it and you can only uh overcome 
the fear of choking uh, by choking, you know, and and yeah. and surviving, and and just getting better and better. I used to have horrible uh, stage fright when I first started, uh, you know, playing in front of these really big crowd, and it's just like there's no book you can read about this at that time. There was no YouTube, and this, you know, and even if there was, was you know, was, uh, when you're standing in front of a few thousand people. Um, it, it, it's sort of like, uh, you know, uh, it, it, there's no way to prepare for that. So, but now it's, it's fun. And, um, and I rarely, uh, experience that. I, I try never to go into a, a situation without, uh, knowing the material like the back of my hand, you know? And, um, so, uh, yeah. And I did the, I was in the, ended up staying in the Dickies for a couple of years and, and, but cosmically, uh, you ended up back there. And let me interject real quick, because this is yeah. my philosophy. You are who you are. And this is the way I look at life when they say, like, you know, what is free choice? What is free will? All that. I feel like life is one of those books you read when you were little, those choose your own adventure books. And it's like, you know, right. if you want to do X, go to page 42. If you want to do B, go to page 39, whatever. But Absolutely. if in that book you're a fireman, you have to be a fucking fireman. You can't be an astronaut. So you can make right. choices mm -hmm. within your book of which, you know, do I go into the building to save the puppies or do I stand outside and send somebody else in? Do I go up the ladder? You can make those kind of choices, but you can't be an astronaut if your book is a fire, you know, a fireman Absolutely. book. So and, you are yeah. a musician. And when you thought about quitting for good, and, and this has happened to me with podcasting. Because I'm getting ready to this. I am rolling up on my 500th episode. I just added it up the other day, and I've done like 460 podcasts. And I'm going to do something fucking insane for episode 500. And there's been times I was like, dude, I don't need the headache. I don't get paid for this. It's a lot of stress. And some, and then somebody out of the blue will be like, you want to do an interview? Like some somebody I've always wanted to talk to, and like I wrote them two years ago. And I'll get an email back. And that's the universe kicking your ass and putting you right back on your path, I think. Totally. And, and I, you know, I, I'm not a religious guy, but I, it, uh, there are certain things that have, that have happened uh, that uh, are, you know, I mean, the only reason I'm alive is from, you know, dumb luck and a little, you know, divine providence. I would say me. dumb luck is the best yeah. luck. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, and, and I was really lucky. Um, uh, uh, I, I, I could have missed it because, um, you know, there was a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, pain and drug addiction and homelessness mm. and, um, you know, uh, and, and so I, you know, it's, I'm, uh, I've been a cranky old man since I was uh, a little kid, you know. So it's like I'm I'm never satisfied with anything, even you know the good stuff. And then, but when I when I sit down and I and I breathe and I take it in and I do the math, it's just like wow, that's pretty fucking cool, you know. We're damn and, lucky, yeah. man. Yeah, heck yeah, man. All of us had the privilege to be in this world, in my opinion, at least, are lucky. Hey, let me shift gears real quick because. 
we don't have a yeah. whole lot of time, and I wanted to ask you this. As somebody who's played with so many different bands, and like you said in the beginning of this um, conversation, not a lot of people know who you are by name, but as somebody who's been so prolific in that world and played with so many different bands over the years, do you have a band that feels like home to you? Like, this is the band that defines me? Or has there never been just a one band that if you had to, like, pick, that's like, yeah, this is actually the band? No, just as a, as somebody who's been involved in all these bands, is there a band that you feel like defines you that you've been involved with? Um, you know, like what is your band? And and, and um, you know, the um, probably the closest uh, I found to that is um, you know, I play with uh, uh, a fantastic singer songwriter named uh, Lisa Finney, and um, she. Uh, she is a host of a uh, of a of the, the Dylan Hour, which is uh, a, a radio show about uh, Bob Dylan, not about you. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a it's a Bob Dylan <laughs> uh, right. radio show, but um, you know, it's uh, it's sort of. I wouldn't have said this, uh, uh, you know, ten years ago or more, because um, I, I, you know, I, I've sort of kind of uh uh where my heart is now is probably more americana for lack of a better word roots music um gotcha. you know the, the 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 punk rock stuff is is fine and it's fun and and it's put me you know it's uh, uh it's put me in a lot of places where that i've wanted to be um but musically um i'm most happy when I'm, um, you know, I, I like playing slide guitar. I like, uh, uh, I like country music, uh, you know, vintage country music, Willie Nelson, Will Haggard, that kind of stuff. Uh, Johnny Cash, you know, I like, uh, uh, I like, I like older music. I like, uh, uh, country, uh, the Stones, uh, country stuff, you know, like, uh, country honk and all, you know, let it bleed and all that. Uh, kind of uh, country infused rock and roll, um, and the closest I've been able to get to that is is with uh, Lisa. Even though it's a, a really subdued, kind of moody, dramatic uh, music, it, it doesn't have the the huge uh, rock and backbeat. Uh, but you know, it, it, it I like playing with her because she's very uh, she's very different. She doesn't sound like anybody else. Um, but the 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 song is everything. And it kind of took me a while to appreciate that. But you know, we don't we don't play a lot, and we don't this year. And as a matter of fact, on Saturday, I'm I'm kind of debuting what I hope to be my my own fronted project. Um, okay. And yeah, so that that's what I'm looking forward to in 2020. Is that um, something you've been working towards for a long time, or are you a totally go with the flow type of person who likes jumping in and out of all these different projects? In the past, I liked kind of being ever, the side guy. Like I like like a gunslinger, someone else's vision. I like being a team player, and I still like that to a degree. But my goal is to kind of you know slim down everything and 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 have my own project out there. And uh, you know, and it's certainly not a case of uh, you know, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in, get a record deal and get in a van and do all. There's none of that. I have no uh, 
ambition to do any of that. But uh, just to be out there, I like performing. I like I like uh, I like uh, transmitting energy from the stage to the audience and uh, making them feel something, you know. And that's that's sort of what I get off on. And so, you know, life is short and you got to do what you love doing, whether you make a living at it or not. Um, and so yeah. that's, that's sort of my goal. 45 Grave is, is great. Luckily, we don't we don't gig enough for it to really interfere with anything. Like, uh, even, even though I have a lot of projects, none of them are so busy. I can't, you know, devote the required attention to any single project, you know. But that's sweet, though, right? I mean, you get to jump around and do all these different things where there are some cats who are stuck in one project forever or don't it's have a lot cool. of time for side projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally attribute that to, you know, sort of the mixed bag of being around, you know, great gospel musicians when I was a kid and being around great blues musicians when I was a kid and then also, you know, being bitten by the... Van Halen bug, and the, you know, the guitar bug in general, you know, and, and so it kind of, one kind of impeded me in the sense, like, I've never really been able to pinpoint what I want to do, so I did a little of everything, and now I just, I'm not interested in touring unless it's sort of, unless it's, unless somebody else is paying for it, you know, somebody else is paying for it. And uh, then I'm I'm into it. <laughs> right I'm, on. You know, uh, <laughs> sessions and you know I mean it'd be nice to uh, provide for myself without anxiety by doing music 100 percent of the time. Maybe the anxiety is what keeps you sharp. You don't want to fall to D. Snyder syndrome where he got all the riches he wanted and then Twisted Sister sucked, and he's like, I well, can't I mean, make Twisted Sister albums no more. I'm fucking happy. Yeah. So maybe you need that edge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I guess in order to have that edge, you kind of be, you kind of got to have your eye on some kind of prize. And I guess mm-hmm. for me, that prize is just simply, you know, not to have to answer to uh, people who don't get me, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm not singling out anybody. And I was just like, but like, you know, uh, like answer to people who aren't music people, you know, and, and, and gotcha. Uh, Welcome to real know, life. My friend, I get misunderstood yeah. so much. I'm like, I, I don't even understand how my own brain works sometimes. Cause so many people misunderstand me. Uh, well, that's a part of the human condition. Definitely is, is, uh, being misunderstood. And, Especially and, when you're a creative entity, let's do this. I'm, let's play a Dickie song. And then we'll come right back, and we got to get you out of here, okay? Okay.
righty, we are back. Um, Dylan, let me finish up with this because I like to ask this question to a lot of people who come through who've been, especially someone like you that's been in so many different genres of music and you've been out there and kind of pounding the pavement on the front lines. Looking back to the days of, you know, like me and Odell, we used to go around and put our flyers on telephone poles and we really had to go out there with the public and make that human connection and now you can just sit behind your computer and push a button and a thousand people can read your posts. Do you think as musicians or any creative entity, we've lost something because of all this technology? We've lost a grittiness. We've lost kind of a human connection. Or is oh, this yeah. kind of progress good because now we have access to an audience that you regularly back when we were coming up would never have access to unless you got on some major label and you know became a millionaire? Well, it's, it's both, you know, it's definitely a mixed bag, but, um, I would say that, uh, uh, the benefits, uh, do not outweigh the negatives. And what I, and you know, what I mean by that is like, it's never been easier for someone to make a record, right? So you think, well, that's a good thing, you know, but you know, maybe not everybody should be making a record. And I'm not saying I'm in a position to judge, but I just, there's so much out there that it is sort of, uh, in one way, it is uh, democratized uh, music and art. And, and, you know, I've learned about so many artists that I wouldn't have been, uh, that I wouldn't have known about if it hadn't have been through, you know, reading someone's post and, you know, somebody... Some, you know, there was this, there was a band called Surfboard, and I would not know about them if uh, somebody hadn't posted a video. But they're like they're like my current favorite band right now, and it's just like I would have no idea about them if somebody hadn't hadn't posted that. So in that way, it, it's good. Uh, it's probably good for young bands. Um, for someone like me, who's just quasi veteran of of all of this you know i don't know if it serves me you know it's when you used to record you used to have to commit to choices and now you can now you can fix everything and you can yeah that's everything. a good way to put it for sure yeah that yeah i look at like that first suicidal tendencies album you know it was such a great record and it, was, it is it a was definitive just, skate punk album that album oh, is, yeah Light and, then, uh, and, then, uh, and then, you know, I don't know when they did it, but at some point they re-recorded all the songs. They re-recorded the album, I think, to um, to make it the way, you know, Mike Muir, I'm, I'm guessing, wanted it and it originally intended it to be. And it was just awful, you know, it really wasn't. I Very bought good. that CD. Oh. I'm a huge suicidal fan, and I bought that. And I was like, I don't understand. It sounded so much better when it had that garage, angry, angst oh. sound to it. And now it's all fucking polished. Why didn't you just get a right. classical orchestra to back you up, Mike? Like, yeah. this is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah and so th those kind of things, you know. And uh, But, it, you know, it's, it kind of doesn't really matter what I think or what anybody thinks because... It's one of those things that, you know, you just can't stop it. Uh, time is going to march on and technology is going to change things and and you, you're going to have to adapt. And maybe it will hinder you and maybe it'll benefit you. I just, you know, I got it. For me, 
I, I had to condense it down to like, well, what do I really want to do? Because, you know, if I, if I live, if I live to be 90, then I'm already more than halfway past my life. And mm-hmm. what do I want to spend the rest of my time doing? And it's like, well, I just want to be the best guitar player that I can be, the best musician that I can be, and um, go out and 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 connect with people um, uh, musically and, uh, you know, and try not to... Uh, get cancer or have a heart attack or you know uh oh yeah we have to start well, thinking about and, that shit yeah, for sure <laughs> crazy um let me drive this home with this and i'll let you go we're talking about what you were saying earlier how anybody has access can make an album do whatever there was this yeah. brilliant this guy i'm really into called moondog they call him the viking of sixth avenue and he was like this homeless bohemian new age fucking genius he looked like vermin supreme or santa claus he had long gray beard long gray hair and he made these amazing albums he made like six albums back in the 70s late 60s through the late 70s and wow. he was a homeless dude and his shit is like intense and insane and you go on youtube and his videos you know they have the albums on there has like a million two million listens and then i go yeah. and i look at the runs of his albums and his actual albums only had like 200,000 sold. And you think like, oh my God, like so many more people have access to listen to him today than back when he was out making this magic. Like he yeah. couldn't even probably fill a large club. And now you have millions of people listening to him. And that gives me hope. And then I click over to a video on my sidebar on a little sidebar on the side, and it's a kid who's got like 50 million followers and views, and his whole shtick is he puts shit in a microwave and sees what it's like to blow it up. He'll stick a fucking tennis ball in there or a Rubik's Cube or a fork, and he blows shit up in a microwave. And even though Moondog, who in my opinion is one of the great geniuses of the 70s musically, is getting, you know, five times the listens what he was when he was alive, then you got some 19-year-old asshole blowing up Barbie dolls in a microwave that's getting 50 times of views as him. So You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, where is he justice in all of this? Where is he creative well, justice? The only hope that I see is, uh, you know, I, I kind of, um, I, I play with this, uh, I sometimes sit in with this uh, uh, band at uh, Canner's Kibitz Room um, I don't know if you're familiar with the kid that's from. No. But it's a it's a bar uh, that's attached to Cantor's Deli, and on Tuesday night, and they got a bunch of hotshot LA uh, musicians, and they're all, you know, they're all around my age, you know, and um, and there are there, you know, some of those guys uh, do not have day jobs and haven't had to have day jobs. They work a lot with really great projects and. There, this, you know, there was this one guy that started showing up, and I think he's, I think he's in his early twenties, and he's just a phenomenal musician, you know, and and you can tell that he studied. I don't know if he studied is the appropriate, but he he appreciated what it takes to be good, you know, and 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 uh, and he's there, and and I see it uh, all the time. It's not as popular as it should be, you know. The uh, kids aren't playing guitar any, much anymore. They don't. They don't give a shit. They, they, <laughs> you know, hip hop is 
hip hop and pop are king, but you know, shitty music has always been around and it's always I like to say, and as far as I know, this is my saying, I should trademark it, but yeah. There you go. TM yeah. say TM. And you'll have a copy yeah, yeah, the shitty music just ain't what it used to be. And uh and that's kinda how I look at it. It's just like, you know, it's always there's always been fluff. Unfortunately, the only way to separate the wheat from the sh- uh, shaft is is time. You know, and eventually, in retrospect, you look back and you see what was good and what what worked and what didn't. And I don't I don't think a lot of the popular pop artists of today, you know, I don't think people are gonna give a shit about them in ten or thirty years. But that that could just be the grumpy old man in me talking. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean hindsight, man. Um, I went back and listened to some ICP, some insane clown posse the other day, and I was like, "Holy fuck! How did I lo- used to listen to this? This is garbage." But I remember there was a time in my late twenties I had that Great Malenko album, and I was really into it. And then you know I lost it through time and moving and stuff, and I hadn't even thought about them in years. And I saw something about Juggalos come across my thread. And I was like, wow, I wonder if ICP is still putting out music. So I went on YouTube, listened to their new stuff, and I was like, oh, well, this is horrible. Well, it's not they, – they've really lost their touch. And then I went and listened to the stuff I used to listen to, and I'm like, that's fucking equally as horrible. How did I listen to this? <laughs> I, I I identify with that. I You know, I kind of – like, I, I, I was a huge Guns N' Roses fan in 87. And, and I certainly don't hate them now, but I, they don't do for me – what they used to, but it's funny you mentioned ICP because I've always laughed them. I've always kind of turned my nose up at them. A few years ago, I discovered a song of theirs called Tilt a Whirl. Right, I and know it was it. so fucking good. I gotta say, and and I, I've listened to a lot of ICP uh, through my work, through you know researching music and and. And it's all horrible, but there's this one song. It's perfect. The lyrics are perfect. The music is perfect. It's political. You know, it's all about tor- uh, tormenting some rich dude. You know, on a on a roller coaster. You know, and all the all the poor people sort of fuck him up. You know, and so it's 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 really kind of a cool song. I see what the appeal is uh, to a band like that. I I don't own any uh, ICP records I probably never will but this one song Tilt a World check it out you, you know it's got a, a, a brutal uh, bass line going on it's just evil well let's wrap it up there for if no other reason because I never thought we'd be talking about ICP with you <laughs> This is taking a disturbing turn. All right, Dylan, thank you so much for calling in. Yes. Um, Let everybody know where we can find you online and what you have coming up the rest of the year. Well, basically, uh, I got my my personal Facebook page, and and if you, uh, I think it's just Facebook dot com forward slash the Dylan Thomas. If you send me a friend request, I'll probably accept it unless I see any kind of like pro Trump stuff on it. I'll probably accept it. And uh, <laughs> as far as gigs, um, Forty Five Grave is playing at the Observatory uh, on November twenty second. We're opening opening up for Max Sabbath. And nice, um, I nice. Max Sabbath. We just had yes, Mike yes. on the show a couple weeks. We ago. just had him on a couple weeks ago. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, they're they're great, and we've uh, this will be the second time that we've opened for them, and and uh, it's it's usually a fantastic crowd. Once a month, third Saturday of every month, play with the King Cotton Band, which uh, I know we didn't get to talk about King, but he's 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 uh, you could do a whole show on him. In fact, you should probably have him on sometime. Um, yeah, I actually just added him. He just accepted my friend request today. Well, he's a hell of a character, and I've learned uh, really a whole lot from him, and I, I love him dearly. He's uh, an older gentleman, <laughs> and uh, and and he's just a, a cannonball. He he's just he's he's a really ferocious performer. He he's got more energy than uh, uh, guys. Uh, in the yeah, I was checking his stuff out. He definitely has that Neil Young vibe to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, he's kind of, to me, he's, he, we're, we're, we're kind of a funk band, um, except we don't have a horn section. We got a horn player. I'll do horn lines in harmony with our sax player. And, and uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun, funky party band. And uh, so that's the third Saturday of every month at, at Viva Cantina in Burbank. Right on. All righty, sir. Thank you so much. I know you don't get to do a lot of these interviews, but I think yeah, thank you magic. so so much. Yeah, no problem. It was a, it was a blast. Um, good luck and, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I had a good time. All righty, Dylan. We'll awesome. chat with you thank soon. You. All right, guys. We All are right. out of here for right. twenty nine days. Odell, what are you going to do twenty nine days without the podcast? A lot of turkey. And uh, spending time with the family, man. <laughs> That's what it's <laughs> all you? about. And I do. Yeah. We just got the channel that Disney Plus channel that has uh, Mandorian on it. That baby. Oh, baby don't baby. tell me that. Yeah. Yes. And we've got that DC channel. I'm just. I'm. I'm going insane getting all these channels on my Roku box. And we have oh, so much awesome. content now, dude. It's like almost like I have to quit my job just to keep up with my fucking shows. So I'll be watching oh, a lot of TV for the next 29 days. There you go, brother. So, yeah. All right. Well, you have a good holiday, sir. And we will be you back too. about mid-December. Um, what do we got coming up, Dee? Do you know? We got Beach Slang and Pool Blood coming up in mid-December. Yeah. And then we're going to do a special end-of-the-year show. I've got something brewing, but I'll let you guys know on the next episode. Sounds good, bro. All right. Good night, all. Good night.